your taxes, your truck, and your road to success in the trucking industry. This is Trucking Business and Beyond, the show that puts the money where it belongs, back in your pocket. Welcome to my world. I'm your host, Kevin Rutherford. The website is letstruck.com. The show is all about the business of trucking, and today is the Power Hour. We've got the guys from Pittsburgh Power with me. We'll take your calls and answer your questions about everything maintenance. Engines, performance, fuel mileage, horsepower, modifications, upgrades, troubleshooting, emissions, new technology, you name it. We'll talk about it. All you have to do is pick up the phone and join us. We're going to get to those calls in just a little bit. Bruce, welcome back. Well, thank you, Kevin. It's always our pleasure. All right. John and Ethan, welcome, guys. Hi, Kevin. Always good to be here, Kevin. All right. So uh, do you guys have anything you want to start with today? I got nothing. Well, you know, I said this. my biggest pet peeve in the industry is uh, mechanics that won't change torsional dampers on crankshafts and people that won't take the time to get their drive shafts rebuilt and they put up with these vibrations. And we heard that at the last hour. And people said, I've done everything. And I say, have you changed the damper? No. Have you done your drive shaft? No. Oh, you told me you did everything. But- and if, you, if you're going to go through this truck, let's go through it and make things right. And the other thing is, you notice how truck dealers that have dynos won't let the guy watch his truck being run on the dyno? That's an educational experience. We want the owner-operator in our dyno room. We want him to ask questions. With JR running the dyno and or Ethan, uh, it's a wealth of information there, and you can make changes. But if you're not there, you can't make the change because you don't know what's going on. There's a guy that spent the time to be on a dyno, and he got nothing out of it. Bruce, but that that torsional damper is just a big hunk of metal spinning around on the front of the engine. Why would I replace it? (laughs) That's right, because it's another big hunk of metal inside it that rides on Teflon and silicon. And as the Teflon wears, it impregnates the silicon. The silicon gets hard, and then the steel ring doesn't move to take up the torsional twisting of every time. When you're going down a highway at 1,400, you have 700 firings of an injector every mile. And every mile, that damper has to move 700 times to take out that torsional twisting. That's why you replace them. That's all great information, Bruce, and, and we do need to get the word out in the industry about that. But you got to be careful. This is a family show, and you said impregnating and getting hard in the same sentence. I'm wondering what you're talking about. <laughs> impregnating the silica. <laughs> oh, all right. We're... Hey, hey, Kevin. Are... Yeah. I have one thing for you. You know, it is Girl Scout cookie season. Are you buying your fair share of Girl Scout cookies? Bruce, you know I can't do that. I run a health show. Yeah. <laughs> my, my, I've only eaten one box of Thin Mints so far. 
Yeah, but you know what? Before the whole health thing, I never bought any Girl Scout cookies anyway. I'll just write them a check if they need some money. My favorite story about that was when they first legalized marijuana in Colorado and when the dispensaries, like the first day they opened, some little entrepreneurial Girl Scout went out and set up her cookies right in front of that dispensary, and she had a great day. <laughs> that was brilliant. Yeah, they, they, they recently they recently just did that, and the Girl Scout the Girl Scout leadership does not want them to do that. I thought it was brilliant. You you got to go where the demand Any, is anyway. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Okay. John and Ethan, do you guys have anything? Hey, uh, Ethan, Ethan, why, oh. Ethan, why don't you talk about whenever we have owner-operators in the dyno room, some of the questions that we get and, and what you're able to answer and, and change well, the, and the stuff that you've done. The, uh, the first thing that we mostly do is before we run the truck with you is we, uh, we'll give you an overview of the screen of what you're looking at. So you actually know what the numbers mean when you're you're watching them. Otherwise, you get a couple needles that move up and down, and well, if you don't understand what they are, it, it doesn't do you much good. But yeah, we're always there to answer any questions. Uh, you know, like, again, I, it's more fun, and I have fun doing this sometimes. Is I can I try to uh, predict the horsepower. Again, have you done it enough times that you find out that a factory 500 Detroit does 430 plus or minus 10 horsepower? And, oh, 1450 torque plus or minus about 25 foot-pounds on our dyno. So you can quickly tell if the truck is running appropriately uh, just based on the the numbers that you get from factory. So this way when we go and, you know, if we're going to do any performance upgrades, we'll know right away if, if we've got a healthy truck to start with. Uh, one other thing that, that I, I – and this goes back to the, the first segment there – with the Dyna report with the 400 and he said, I believe 10 horsepower at the wheels and 2,400 foot pounds. Uh, that sounds wrong. Uh, typically, <laughs> if, typically if you're going to have those, those numbers, though, especially the torque, the horsepower should be a lot higher. Uh, one of those is wrong. Uh, the last time I've seen a truck do 2,400 foot pounds, it was doing about 700 wheel horsepower. So, to me, that, that that one of those numbers don't make sense. Um, well, one or it, the other. Yeah, but, it, well, his yeah, well, his torque was his torque was wrong, and his turbo boost was wrong. So the the dyno that he was on drastically drastically needs recalibrated, or the people operating it are putting in some wrong figures. Maybe they had the wrong gear ratio or something too. Well, you yeah, know that, that, that we won't know. That was a call that I got during the week, and when he read off the results to me and all the other things that were going on, I said, hold on. I said, you know, I'd really like to have you call in on the power hour because that none of that just made sense to me. And and then I asked him a fairly simple question. I said, when you're pulling 80,000 pounds up a hill, how many gears do you have to drop? And he says, a couple. And I said, well, then those numbers aren't making any sense. That kind of horsepower and torque, you're you're going to yeah. climb really well. Yeah, if you had 2,400 foot-pounds, yeah, that thing should well, cruise. The math yeah. doesn't work. There's no way the horsepower would be that low if that really was the torque number. Right. Yeah, it, it's just right. a formula. So that would be – that just doesn't – there's no way that works. Yeah, it doesn't make any sense when I heard that one. Uh, we also use our dyno for other purposes other than to tell us horsepower. 
we, we use it to determine vibrations, uh, odd misfires under load. The, uh, actually, the most recent one for that was an N14 that we had in here. You know, it, it, we had two different problems. It, it had a bad head in the front, which was the high RPM miss, and the low RPM miss turned out to be an injector on number four. But you know, we, we solved one problem at a time, so we got the high RPM miss gone first with finding the bad head. And then what we did was we put it back on the dyno and then got it replicated the low RPM miss. And what I did was I pulled the injector pins on it one at a time to determine the misfire while it was under load. Because the ECM didn't want to do a cutout test while it was under load. So we just pulled the injector uh, clip on the side of the head. And when I got to number four, well, the RPMs didn't change. So that was the, uh, the bad injector. Got it. All right. We are going to get to some phone calls because they are piling up on us. We are going to head to Oregon. Mike, welcome to the program. Hey, good morning, guys. Hey, I have a uh, 2012 Freightliner Cascadia, and uh, I've been running this truck for about two years. I just purchased it, but I'm pretty new to this industry. Um, I've only been doing it about four years, so I don't know a lot about all the, the stuff and everything trying to learn. I have a couple of questions. The first one is, I've been listening to the show, and you guys talk about doing an emissions tune-up on Custer Pittsburgh Power. I was wondering what all is entailed in that, and what would that cost? That's a DD-15, right? Yeah, yes, it is. Yeah. Um, we do a little less on that one, and that's a little easier than some of the Cummins. Uh, it's usually about 12 hours of shop labor, and if there are no parts found to be bad, uh, like, let's say, say about $500 in parts just for gaskets and seals and things that we have to replace for taking them apart. And what we do is we pull the, uh, the doser valves, we pull the sensors, we pull the crossover tubes and, and clean everything up. Uh, we ultrasonically clean the sensors and then test the resistance afterwards and put everything back together nice and clean as if it was new and just go through everything that way, how that would work. So, you know, you'd be probably around 1700 between 1700 and $2,500 to do it, depending on uh, what we find that, that needs to be replaced. And then, do you guys uh, know anywhere on the West Coast that are any good mechanics? That I'm, I'm not a Grants Pass, Oregon, and I just run up and down the I-5, Oregon, Washington, California, and every place I take my truck, I get all kinds of, oh, you got this wrong, you got that, well, I just had that done, here's the receipt, you know, and We're- nobody seems to... We're going to get to that question right after this break. Stick around. We'll be right back. Kevin Rutherford.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get right back to your calls. We were talking with Mike in Oregon, so I've got Bruce and John and Ethan here. Guys, any uh, any ideas on uh, somebody that only travels the I-5 corridor? Yeah, my suggestion is find a company that will load you east and come and see us once a year. Mike Lane that was on the last hour that called in about the antifreeze, the snowmobiler, he runs Utah, Wyoming, Colorado, Arizona. And once a year he makes an appointment, brings his D-Deck 5 in, and we go through it. And he trucks trouble-free for the entire year. So, And I know there's a lot of people run that I-5 corridor, but there's freight that comes east. And, and uh, even if you have to take a broker load, come east and get a clean bill of health, and let's do it once a year. That sounds real good. And the final question, like I said, I'm real new to this. I'm, I've been listening to your guys' show, mainly the Power Hour, but I listen a lot to Kevin, too. And you guys always talk about the gear ratio in the rear end. So I don't, I don't know what this truck runs, but how do I find that out? Take the last six of your VIN number and call Freightliner dealer, and they'll tell you the gear ratio. Beautiful. Okay, thank you very much, guys. You're welcome. Thanks for the call. We're You're going welcome. to head off to, well, we're going north of the border this time. Mike in Canada, welcome to the program. Thanks, Kevin. Hello, gentlemen. I have a question about a 2007 Series 60, one of your favorite engines, I believe. Um, I bought the truck last year thinking that it would be better than an Acert. I've had a lot of trouble with it. Um, mostly uh, the uh, EGR. So I'm wondering what my options going forward are, and I'd like your opinion on a couple, uh, a few different things, one being what is called an EGR delete module, which replaces the barometric um, pressure sensor. The other is doing a full tune-up. I, I, I want in Western Canada, it's hard, it's pretty much impossible to get to you guys. We do not run the state's. Um, there are several shops out here that offer an EGR, shall I say, air quotes, fix. Um, and I'm just wondering if that's the best way to go. And do you know of any shops in Western Canada? There used to be one in Atchison. I think you guys were somewhat affiliated with at Pittsburgh Power, but I think that affiliation has dissipated, if I'm not mistaken. Was that Dave's Diesel? Yes, it is. Yeah, he just, uh, I mean, I, I think we still talk. Uh, he used to buy a lot of power boxes from us years ago, and now he has ways of calibrating his ECM, so that's the only reason it dissipated. That, that's we're, what I gathered from talking to him, was, was that they yeah. were doing it in-house. Um, right. So I didn't know why that was, and I don't know if he does a good job, and there's a place out in, uh, Lloyd Minster on the border between Alberta and Saskatchewan, and it's called uh, G Force or something like that. Both yeah, have nine. Familiar, okay. Hmm. Now, do you have a D Deck 5 or a D Deck 6, being it's a 2007? Five. Five, okay, that's good. Four. That's good. Okay. 
Well, you know, there's a lot of things you can do, but this isn't the place to talk about them. <laughs> I was wondering about that. <laughs> so, can you answer any of my questions? <laughs> Not really. Not really. Well, you know, I, I can do like a Woodward and Bernstein type of Q&A if you like. Yeah. And, uh, anyway. <laughs> The, the D word you shouldn't use. The D word you should use: repair or fix. <laughs> yeah, I didn't. I never said that. I never said the D word. I yeah. Oh, okay. Um, yeah. What, All right. Do you have? Do you have? Do you have an opinion, or can you give an opinion of those delete modules, or is that again outside your uh, yeah. comfort zone? We've never we've never used them, and uh, so. What guys well, have done, done their own fix, backyard fix, but then you then it throws a code. Um, this will not throw a code, but uh, that's that's as far as I'll go, I guess, with this. I don't want to get anyone in trouble. All right. Yeah, so, sounds no. like this would work with the, uh, you know, with the you, phone if, call. If, go ahead, Bruce. If you if your appendix goes bad, what do they do? <laughs> yeah, that's a that's a problem too. But that's for the that's for a different show that I do. Don't get don't get me started on that one. We're we're going to move on to if you New, get the analogy. Yeah. That's right. We're going to move on to New York. Keith, welcome to the program. Yes, uh, I've got a uh, 2018 International with a Cummins X15. Last night it threw an HR code. I uh, took it to a dealer for a quick diagnostic. They say it's possibly an EGR valve or the sensor. This thing has only got 62,000 miles in its growing boat. What are your thoughts? Hmm. That's an anomaly. I'd go with a sensor because that's uh, those have been proven to be pretty reliable. We've got a couple of uh, uh, trucks with, that were running the soot separator on the Dorotheon with the X-15s, and they've been uh, incredibly reliable so far. So i, I got to go with a sensor or a wire or something, you know, some something out of the ordinary. Physically, that uh, that EGR valve is a hot-side EGR valve that's pretty pretty uh, reliable. I don't know if I'd call it bulletproof, but close. Okay. Well, you're, you're leaning towards it's most likely the sensor. Take a look for a loose wire or something else, something else before I do anything anything else. Yes, I would. Yep. Okay. Well, that sounds like something that's going to get a little bit up and taken a look. Uh, mm-hmm. Any ideas to uh, improve the uh, performance on this truck and fuel economy? Running about 6.2 to 6.3 for uh, for uh, fuel mileage. Any thoughts on that? John, what are we What's seeing that? when we put the Dorothy on the X-15 for fuel mileage improvements? Uh, Bruce, it's not a whole lot. Those aren't; uh, those are all new enough and clean enough that we're not limiting the uh, 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 the regens in the same way we are at the trucks with a few miles on them. Those benefits are probably going to come later. Uh, we are getting a fair amount of particulate out of both of the X15s we're running it on, and the def consumption has gone down slightly, but neither of them have noticed more than a tenth, maybe, in fuel mileage. So that's so uh, we haven't seen the results in fuel mileage on the on the on the brand new engines like we do on the ones that are a little bit older. 
So that's, uh, you know, something that new, you're not going to see it uh, to quite the benefits yet. As these things get dirtier and start asking for more and more regens uh, without running that, then uh, that's when, when you see the see the, the, the benefits. What happens is the filtering some of the soot out, uh, the soot makes more soot. When the soot goes to the combustion chain, uh, process again, it becomes a nucleus of a larger piece, which then the truck has more trouble burning out of the DPF filter later on. That's why uh, we're seeing the fewer regens. So that would help with that. Mileage-wise, not, nothing huge yet. And we don't have the ability to tune the X15 yet either. We're working on that, but we don't have that either. So uh, I would go with uh, the basics. The uh, I do the fleet air filter right away, and uh, I'm not so sure how compatible that is with the fast fuel system, but that may help you as well. But uh, I'd throw a fleet in there right away if you don't have one in it already. Yeah, I'd like to see you do the. You know, the Dorothy does make a difference. Uh, your your benefits are probably going to come a little later in life, but uh, it's worth it's worth doing as well to keep the soot out of the engine. Okay. Put that down. We'll put that down as next on the list. <laughs> you put that on next. Yep. And uh, you will see if you're watching your uh, keep an eye on your oil analysis as well. You'll see a reduction. You know, when, when you go to that, you'll see a reduction in the soot and the oil as well. All right. Thanks for the call. We're going to head off to Utah this time. JC, welcome to the program. Hey, Kevin. Um, just got out of your, just completing your first uh, class. We've got our uh, 2014 Freightliner Cascadia with a DD-13 engine on the road. Uh, I've run into a couple of things, and actually um, the first thing we did before we put it on the road is we took it to Pittsburgh Power. But unfortunately, we didn't get a chance to be in the dyno room. We were in the driver's lounge, um, and um, they weren't able to get anything out of it. I think they were, it was uh, a new test for them. Um, but a couple of other things that have come up since then. I don't know if you remember, uh, Kevin, when we spec'd that truck. That was the truck that was spec'd, and we found out that it only had one fuel tank. Oh, yeah, that's right. Do you remember that? I do remember that, yeah. Okay, no problem. Okay, so what happened was um, I had spoke, uh, spoken to Pittsburgh Tower, and um, they were saying if we were able to get the tank and the scraps, they would be able to install the um, that additional fuel tank for a couple hundred bucks. Okay. Hey, Went to the freight line and deal. Hold, hold that thought. Hate to cut you off, but the music's playing. I've got to take a break. We'll come right back, and we will get to that and more right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour.
Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. We're going to get right back to the phone calls. We were talking with JC in Utah. JC, go ahead and finish up that question. So the um, we went to the dealership to try and get the straps, and Park sent us over to service because they were saying that because the truck was not originally specced with a fuel tank, we would need to talk to serve, uh, the service so that they could figure out all the parts they needed. Uh, they came back with a quote, and I'm pulling the quote now, of $6,270 to put exactly to put a fuel tank on. Oh, boy. Which included $750 of engineering time to... Uh, straight liner. <laughs> engineering yeah, time. Oh, we have to bring in an engineer to put on a fuel tank. Um, Bruce, John, Ethan, I'll let you guys address some of these issues. But th- this brings up a point for me. You know, I grew up working on motorcycles and cars and painting. And I, I remember really, really good parts guys that could find anything for you. You know, you'd go in and describe something, they'd find it. I have never been so frustrated when I started buying truck parts, and 99% of the time when I went to get a part, they couldn't find a part if I couldn't give them a VIN number. And if you were trying to put something on the truck that didn't come with the truck, they were just lost. Wait, what happened to all the good parts, guys? Right. So that's another dying breed, I believe. We're right up there with good mechanics. Yeah, it's frustrating. It's tough. Yeah, that's uh, you know, you just go to a regular auto parts, and you know, they always ask the generic questions. Even if you you ask for a part that's not related, like, no, it doesn't matter what year it's for. I, I need a this. Right. And well, what, what's it off of? Like, no, I told you what I wanted. <laughs> right. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> they won't do it. They just won't do it. Oh, that's tough. So the, the fuel tank thing. I think you just need to get yourself to a to a uh, to a to a to a Scrap yard to a to salvage yard, and then find one off of I've a got, crashed uh, Cascadia. I've got the tank. I've got the tank for two hundred and fifty bucks. But oh, cool. um, okay. um, Pete, yeah, Pete was recommending I get new straps, and that's why I went to the dealership. <laughs> yep. Huh. So what you need to do then is get a VIN number off of a truck that had to. You're going to have to play this game that they, that they play. So yep. you're going to have to get yourself a VIN number off of another truck. So I don't care if you just see one in a truck stop somewhere. Ask the guy, you know, give you the last last date of his VIN. Take that VIN to the to the dealership and ask for the parts then, the straps. Okay. So you, that'll be on All you right. to find a VIN number off a truck that's actually got them. That's how you play their game. you got okay. to come up with a VIN number. Sometimes we come up with engine serial numbers from different trucks to get parts that we want. Uh, that might not be attached okay. to that particular uh, engine serial number. Okay, no problem. All right. So now the um, uh, the the transmission that I got on this truck is the Eaton Smart Shift 10 speed. Now, when we were when we were um, looking to buy the truck, one of the things that I I was trying to do was sample the was do the oil sample. And, and um, the engine oil sample and the transmission oil sample. And I was actually, it was actually suggested that I, the transmission oil sample would not do anything for me. So we actually ended up not doing it. 
picked the truck up in Cleveland in February. And when I went to drive it the first time, what it, what it was doing is it was not shifting um, automatically. I actually had to manually shift it. And then I, uh, so it was 18 degrees in Cleveland at that time. When it did start, um, looks like when it warmed up, it would start to shift. Yesterday in Albuquerque, it was uh, 20, 29 degrees overnight, got up in the morning. Uh, truck would not go into gear. Fortunately, I was at the TA. Um, when they took the truck, I finally got the truck into the bay and they opened it. There was no um, transmission fluid. It had all gelled up. And uh, they checked it and there was no metals in there. And so I told, you know, basically what the way, what I told them is, you know, they, it had been running fine until it had gotten cold. If they can get whatever was in there out and put in new um, fluid, We'll see how it runs. And anyway, I made it from Albuquerque up to Salt Lake. So far, I'm actually headed to Portland. Um, my question is, do I need to do anything different with that transmission because of that gelled fluid? I put better fluid in it. Other than that, I would... Uh, That's the first time I've ever heard of yeah, it. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, you need to get some better, better, some good synthetic uh, lube in there. Okay. Because the the um, the TA technicians seem to think that I may have been losing um, what do you say clutch pads, which was what might have caused the gelling, and I'm like, ah, I don't know, but I'll ask somebody, and that's why I was asking you. The ultra shift, that's, a, that's an automated mechanic. That, that's an automated manual. An automated automatic. Yeah, it is. No, it's an automated. Why? Well, that's an automated yeah. manual. Yeah, yeah. It should have gear grease in there. It should just have gear oil in it. They're light gear oil, as light as possible, but uh, should never freeze. Or should gel. never freeze or gel. No, and there are no clutches in there. What they call a clutch is the sliders, or I call I like to call dog rings. Uh, yeah, there's no actual clutches in that. You know, that they call the sliders clutches, but they, uh, you know, they, there's no there's no clutch or friction material on them of any sort. You know, so there's J no reason for any of that to happen. JC, one of the things you might want to do since this truck is new to you, and that is really bizarre. I've never seen um, transmission um, oil uh, in a manual transmission gel up. You might want to pull a sample on that. You can do a, a transmission oil sample just like we do an engine oil sample. Okay, I pulled it. I pulled it. One, I told them to give me. You know, give me a sample. I've got it in a bottle. Oh, I good. can send that off because we got a kit. We have the kit from you. Yeah. Perfect. Yeah. I'll send that off. Yeah, yeah get, do that. Get that in, and we can take a look and figure out what's going on with that. It's almost as if okay, it, that's no got a one of, one of those shell and tube heat exchanger coolers. It's almost like he might be getting some uh, coolant in there. That might be something's contaminating that yeah. that, that that gear oil to cause it to gel like that. Yeah. Yeah, and it would almost take another liquid, you know, another chemical to do that. It wouldn't be dirt or silicon or any kind of wear metals, or it, it would almost take something like a coolant to do that. Right. So um, what would be – okay, so who should I have look at it, look at it again? Find yourself a nice independent shop somewhere that you trust is what, what I'd, I'd have to say, or bring yeah, it here. I agree. It, it sounds like you're on the other side of the world. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, no problem. I'm headed back to you guys because we got uh, we got some more work to do. 
And then let me okay. finish up with this last question. Uh, it's about my inverter. So it's new to me, so I bought a 700-watt microwave. I have a 1,500-watt uh, inverter, which um, you guys installed. Thank you very much. Um, when I ran, ran the microwave the first time, it popped the um, inline 40-amp fuse. I upgraded it to a 50. Ran it again, it heated the water, and then it popped that fuse. And then I put a 60 in there, but I haven't run it again. Um, am I missing something? In these fuses popping, because according to the manual, a 700-watt microwave will pull maximum 1,100, and this inverter is a 1,500. Well, the in, it sounds Ooh. like the inverter's a, handling it, but the, the, the fuse isn't. How, how large of a fuse can I keep going up to? Well, on on I, I typically, you know, on the um, it, it, Ethan, ahead. is this the main fuse that from the battery to the uh, inverter itself? Do you know? Yes. Yeah. And he, he's yeah. A we very put a, yeah, we put a cutoff fuse there. Yeah. On the yeah, he's a very he, short run too. His batteries are directly underneath the inverter. Yeah, which is good. I, I I've always installed twenty five hundred watt inverters in my trucks, and I use a hundred amp fuse. Wow. Okay. Yeah. I think that bus, the, the bus, I saw an 80. I bought the 60 to try it, but then I said, you know, let me ask the question before I start, you know, running up the amps on the fuse and create another problem. Um, How long does okay. it run so, for before it kicks off? Uh, on the 40, it ran for uh, 10 seconds. On the 50, it ran for... Um, like 25 seconds. In fact, the water was about to start to boil and it popped. And then I put in the 60, but I haven't run it with the 60 yet. I decided I'd call in before I ran it with the 60. I haven't run it with the 60. 60's in there now. Yeah, like like I said, I've always used the 100 amp, but that's a 2,500 watt inverter that I always put in mine. Um, Whenever you move up on fuses sizes, I would always keep an eye on those cables and feel them, too. You want to make sure something isn't getting too hot. I've seen inverters burn trucks to the ground. We'll, uh, we'll be right back. We've got one more segment left. We'll get to as many calls as we can right after this. Stick around. I'm Kevin Rutherford. This is the Power Hour. Welcome back. I'm Kevin Rutherford. 
This is the Power Hour. We're down to the final segment. We're going to get back to some calls and see what we can get to here. We've got Bruce and John and Ethan here doing the heavy lifting. I'm pressing the buttons and providing some comic relief, and we are off to Maryland. Tad, welcome to the program. Well, well, I guess now, here we go. Uh, We've turned into a triple X. We've turned into more (laughs) Coast Power Hour. (laughs) How's it going, Tad? Uh, Good. I, I got three things. One for you, Kevin, one for Bruce, and one for John and Ethan. Real quick. Went through Childress, and boy, you ain't. I accidentally went through there, and they had one at the beginning of the town and the end of town, and I went way below the speed limit, and two cars went flying through there, and they've come out, and it was like four cop cars on one car. Yeah, I've experienced it <laughs> and, live. And Bruce, you can't, you, you, yeah, and Bruce, you can't yell at me because I replaced my damper at 500,000 miles, brother. <laughs> Good for you. And now, John. I can't see you until May because I have to recover from uh, Chad's price tag of $4,200 for my suspension that, and everything. That, so That's all right. It was money well spent, I'm sure. How, how's it handled Oh, I now? know. But you know what? Between you guys and Chad and everything I've done, hell, I could have bought two trucks. But, hey, it's all good. <laughs> hey, um, John, Ethan, here's the thing, and I'll get off the line. But uh, my regens, and you might as well call door, my Dorothy Poto because – okay. Uh, you're not catching uh, anything. Anyway, no, I think off. I think I don't think you have any flow at all right now. So that's that's why. I well, that's all right because on. I got some. Yeah. I got I got good news for both of you, and it's a head scratcher. Now my regen's going every four thousand, and they're only right. doing one regen for thirty three minutes. I don't have to do a double one, and my fuel economy's back up over nine. Okay. And the only reason that's in because I went back to fifty seven miles an hour. Okay. And, and, and so what do you so do you think so do you think it's uh the simple thing of the uh, I know Ethan said we need two days, but uh, as soon as I get done with paying that other bill, I'll come see you to get my drive shaft and all that done and get this uh regen thing down. But um I, I tell you what, ever to all of you, I mean, I've done this fuel game for four years and fifty seven is the magic number. It's got no choice. Hmm. I guess I wish I could go faster. Yeah. Yeah. But the the thing about it, though, is, man, now I hear that new truck's getting 10 miles to the gallon out the box. Come on. (laughs) Anyways, I won't keep you. I just called for you basically. But but, uh, we're back up on mileage. Depth consumption's down. I'm back up to 3,800 miles on a tank of depth. Oh, Uh, terrific. And, uh. All right, we are going to move on. We've got a couple more we've got to get to here. We are off to Oregon. Al, welcome to the program. All right, thanks for taking my call. What's um, on your mind I'm today? Start off with a joke, a quick one. A skeleton walk in, walks into a bar. He asks for a beer and a mop. <laughs> Corny joke. Okay, uh... <laughs> I, my ISX uh, 2014 T680. Now, Sean gets it. I don't think I told you that <laughs> no, one. No, I got it. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, that's, that's, that's I got it. Yeah. It took a while. It takes Bruce, Bruce a little while on those jokes sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Well, how about the, did I tell you one about the two midgets? 
Hey, hey, hey. Hey, Al. Okay, hey, okay. Be, they better not. No, yeah. no, just just be careful with short people jokes. Okay, well. <laughs> 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 That's a good one, Kevin. <laughs> so, they're, uh, they're at the park drink, and they get payday, they get drunk, and they say, well, let's go get a couple of hookers. So they go get a couple of hookers. One, They're in a motel. One one, uh, one little guy can't, can't do anything. He's too drunk, right? He gets all pissed off. He throws a hooker out. Well, you, you saw the penny, so they throws the money at her. Then he says, damn it, you know, and then he puts the ear to the to the wall to hear his buddy. And he's hearing his buddy, one, two, huh, one, two, three, huh, one, two, three, huh, one, two, three, huh. So at least he's having a good time. So next morning, they're during the hangover, having breakfast. One little guy asks the other, hey, how was your hook last night? Oh, man, that's how it's a money. It's all good, but man, I heard you last night. You were having a blast. Are you kidding? I couldn't even get on top of the bed. <laughs> 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 so, anyways, my uh, my ISX here, I noticed maybe a couple, two, three months ago, and at a cold start, it's, it's the, uh, it feels like the top end's pretty noisy, and then if I rev it to about 1,500 RPM slowly, it gets as smooth as silk. Uh, it's never had to, at that time when I noticed it, I've only had it a year. Right now it's got 440. So I just recently did the, um, the overhead and I did notice a big improvement in, you know, just the way it runs and better a few months, a couple of tents, but that problem still exists. And then I noticed it doesn't just do it at cold start. It does it throughout the days by mighty or something. It's a little noisy and then I'll rev it up and then, and then it, man, it's quiet as soon as so. Have you ever come across anything like that? How many miles are on it? 440, and it's got, you know, you guys did the ignition tune. It's got the door key. And, it's got uh, the, uh, yep. Yeah, yeah, everything, yeah. Might, might be ready for the damper. Really? Okay, that could cause the noise. Oh, yeah. Well, we had we had a guy call into Kevin's show one night, and he had a noise in his bell housing, and we sent him a new damper and balancer. He put it on. He said the noise in the bell housing is gone. Do you remember that one, Kevin? I do, I do. That one, uh, that one shocked me. <laughs> yeah, me too. I never forgot that story. Oh, okay, okay. Because, like I said, it'll it'll go away. It'll go away once I get to, you know, I'm sitting apart, you know, raise it up to 1,500 slowly, then come back down and it's, it's quiet and, and no. But, you know, I do I do hear it on the top end, though. It, it sounds like it's coming from, from, from you know, the uh, valve area, the noise, right at the uh, manifold side. Dampers do side. run a couple hundred degrees in temperature internally from the friction. Or, or I should say not friction from the shearing of the big steel ring in the silicon. So they run a couple hundred degrees inside. So maybe once everything warms up and it, it gets to absorb some of the heat off of the radiator, uh, the ring might be starting to move. But years ago, back in the 80s, dampers were, was it in, yeah, mid-80s, dampers were only good for 380,000 miles. 
So chemical engineering has come a long way, and the silicons have come a long way, and that's why they put it up to 500,000. But one of the first engineers that I met with talking about dampers at Cummins, he told me if he was an owner-operator, he would be changing his to 300,000. And he was in charge of the line that rebuilt them down in Memphis, Tennessee. They don't rebuild them anymore. They just replace them with new ones. So the fact that you're close to 500,000, it could be the damper. Okay, okay, yeah. And, and, and even if it's not, I was thinking of that, you know, right around 500,000. That's my next step on that. And um, Okay, what's the price on it? So 2014 ISX T680. Uh, what kind of price ballpark on that? For you guys to do that. Get it on the website. We'll find oh, out here in a second. Uh, I'm thinking five forty or five seventy for that one for the ISX. That's the same for all the ISXs. I don't remember it off the top of my head. Let me okay. Let me see if I can see if I can pull my price sheet out. All right. While everybody's uh, looking for a little uh, information there, I'll do a song and dance to keep everybody entertained. (laughs) How's it going, Al? We haven't seen you in a while. Everything running good? Yeah. uh, My turbo went out. Yeah, my turbo went out in December. But uh, as a matter of fact, I wanted to tell you about that. But So I got a new turbo, but it was a shop right by my house. And that shop, at one time, used to sell your muffers. Used oh, really? Sell your muffers okay. and OPS. It's called uh, Commercial Engine in Oak Hills, California. And I was going to ask you if you guys can reach out to them. And I'd like to see that tune deal there, that remote. So they could be a remote tuning. The guy's pretty yeah, good. Yeah, if we could get them. Yeah, that way they could, if you've got a check engine light or something, you could swing by there and we could remote on with it. But send yeah, me their info. Text it or email it to me. I got okay, a fight yeah, for you there. It's uh five hundred and seventy four dollars. Five seventy four. I was close. Yeah, yeah. Five seventy four for that. But uh, yeah, have uh, just shoot me their their just text me their info. You've still got my number, right? Okay. Yeah, sure do. Yeah, we'll do. All right, Al. Okay, we'll talk to you later. All right. There's the music. Good timing. We've got to wrap that up. In fact, we've got to wrap the whole show up. We are done for today. We will do it again real soon. Check out the website. If you don't have our app yet, get our app, and then you'll never miss a show. It's free. You can listen when we're live. You can listen anytime, and it's really easy to find now. Just go to the website, letstruck.com. Look at the top of every page. You'll see a link for Android or Apple. Download the app and never miss a show. We'll see you next time. Be safe. Be profitable. Be fit and healthy. Always. Do the hard work and master the journey. All right, everybody, thanks, and uh, we'll see you next time. Well, we'll see you tonight at uh, midnight Eastern time for the live show. Thank you for using Blog Talk Radio. Goodbye.